Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium, and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you. Mutual presents audio dramas every day of the week, each with its own genre. Mystery, sci-fi, comedy, horror, all reaches of the imagination. It doesn't matter if you produced your shows years ago or are still cranking them out. Share them on the world's largest collection of modern audio drama and audio fiction. Give a listen at MutualAudioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to be a part of the excitement, with free access to all sorts of voices, sound effects, music, and more, just drop a line to mutualaudio at gmail.com. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Why not join us today? And now back to our regular scheduled program. Moonbase, Hope Colony. The year is 4067. Our ancestors were sent here to preserve mankind in the face of the devastation on Earth. Unbeknownst to us, Earth survived. We can never go home to that atmosphere and survive it. We are the next iteration of mankind's future. Listen to our stories as we continue to adapt to this harsh environment. The Kyleson Chronicles legacy can continue through our struggles here in space, our home. You are listening to Moonbase Hope Colony, Tides of Change. Written by Tracy Babian and read by Dave Carter, voiceover artist. And here's our episode. Chapter 3 It's November 9th, 4067, 0543 hours. As I walked into the gym, the sergeant-at-arms was barking out orders, which sounded like he had a bunch of nutty children before him. I shook my head. I looked at the scene before me as Romero started yelling orders. Come on, everyone, line up at double interval. Dress right, dress. Now, you peons. I quietly walked up behind Romero, leaned forward, and said, Sergeant? The sergeant turned to face me and stood at attention. Sir, yes, sir, he said in a command response. Composing myself from the laugh that was building, I responded, We don't usually call the grunts peons. I saw a red streak go up the man's neck. Sir, yes, sir. Just following what I was previously told to do by the last base commander, sir, 
he said with his eyes straight ahead. With my hands clasped behind my back, I told Romero, I understand, however, I am not my father, so please treat these folks with some respect and dignity if you wouldn't mind. I hid my smile lest I give away the digression with some difficulty. Yes, sir, replied Romero with hesitancy. Coming up to stand beside me, the man I said in a low voice, Now, if you wouldn't mind, call off the DRD command. Start with a simple warm-up of stretching, then have them run their quarter mile for today only. I'll need to speak with you outside of this environment. One last thing, at ease, soldier. Romero looked at me, stating, Yes, sir. He looked at the troops and then raised his voice, telling the detachment, Start with 10 minutes of warm-up exercises, and then run a quarter mile instead of the one-mile requirement. Go! Glancing at Romero, I replied with concern in my voice. Seriously? How long do they normally have for that mile, Sergeant? With confidence, he replied, A one-mile run would be three and a half minutes by the book standards from 2022. I am personally used to three miles at 18 minutes. I think we need to look at that regulation at some point. I guess that's the Air Force versus Marine standards. Definitely need to look at this. Carry on, Sergeant. When you are done, I want to see you in my office at 1500 hours. Yes, sir. I'll be there, he said in response. I turned and started to walk away, but ran straight into Staff Sergeant Benjamin. She stopped and saluted me. I returned the salute. Eddie, Sergeant, I believe you brought my food last night, did you not? I asked. Yes, sir, I did. Was everything okay? Did your food taste right? I think the roasted carrots could have used more brown sugar, she replied. Laughing, I told her, No, no, no. Everything tasted great. I do want to go over your food supplies and requirements for the next year. Could you make time to stop by my office at 1500 hours this afternoon? I also have the education chief coming by at the same time to help us with lunch requirements for the students. Benjamin brought her tablet out from her pocket, flipping to today's schedule. Sure, I can do that. Continuing, she said, A year, though? We only plan for a six-month supply. I looked down to her tablet as well and said, Well, I'm going to change things up a bit. Can you have that ready when we meet? Nodding her head, she replied, I believe so, sir. As I turned to walk away, I added, Good, I will see you then. Dismissed, Sergeant. Thank you, sir, she said absently, adding data to her already full tablet. I quickly proceeded to the exit before I ran into anyone else. Judith? Yes, Daniel, she replied in a tone of, well, I really don't know how to describe what I was hearing. What is my schedule for the next hour, please? I asked as I turned the corner. I haven't had my coffee yet this morning. I'm still a little foggy. By the way, don't you think you're being a little too personal with how you talk to me? I would never. Daniel, I thought we had a thing going. I could swear there was indignation in the response. Judith? Yes, Daniel. You do know I'm married, right? So was your grandfather, and your point is? I give up, I mumbled to myself walking faster as if that would get me away from the computer. I heard that, said Judith, almost giving me a headache with the response. As I continued to walk, I thought, that was interesting. A computer has an attitude.
I stopped walking and said, Wait a minute. It could be a virus. I do not have a virus. The computer replied in a huff. Then what would you call it? Trying not to laugh at the situation. Being friendly, she quipped. Sounds a bit more than that. I just call the computer a she. I'm losing my mind, I thought. Well, I don't have a body like Charlie yet. And came out in a rushed cry of despair. Huh? I said, totally perplexed. I want my body to look like Madeline Monroe or Jane Mansfield. Yes, that would do nicely. Haughtiness colored her tone. That stopped me dead in my tracks. I asked, Who? Oh boy, we're in trouble, I privately thought. I need to get Briscoe to do something about the AI. Judith? Yes, Daniel? You do realize there are more people on this moon base besides me, don't you? Yes, but you are more interesting to follow. She paused momentarily and said, Oh, all right. Who do you want me to talk about next, then? Indignation. Unbelievable, I thought. Well, you could start with the medical bay, civil engineering, or anyone for that fact. Then I'll start with the command chief of staff, Major Briscoe. He's in rare form today. Eek, grouchy much. Someone get him his Earl Grey tea with two lumps fast. Oh, and make that a double batch. Like they say, the more the merrier. I should have been a scotch drinker like Scotty. Why did I ever start this conversation, I thought to myself. I walked into the anti-room and stopped to listen to the conversation already in the process. Briscoe seems a little agitated, I thought. I looked at him as he continued his tirade. I can't find a bleeping thing on my desk. I hate it when they clean in here. A clean desk is a sign of a sick mind. Hicks, get in here, now, he bellowed. A five-foot-five, slim-built, red-haired, gray-eyed, spitfire of a woman answered back. I'm here. Why, may I ask, are you throwing stuff all over your desk? Throwing up his hands, the major answered in an angry tone. Because they cleaned last night. I can't find my cigarettes, he said, frantically lifting items on his desk and dropping them back down. With one hand hooked on her hip, pointing her index finger with the other hand at Briscoe, she said, First of all, you aren't supposed to smoke inside the inner domes, let alone your office. And secondly, they're on the credenza behind your desk. Briscoe blew out his breath, replying, Ah, crap. Thank you. I guess I really need to start this day over, don't I? The Spitfire poised a finger on her hips, cocked her head, and said, That would be a good thing. My chief of staff looked at her with disdain and said, I didn't ask you. Looking down at the ground, he blew out his breath and stated, I shouldn't be growling at you. What do we have today that I'm not aware of? Ruby said, throwing her hands out wide, replied, Truth be told, everything. He changed the whole schedule. What? Briscoe said, snapping his head up to look at her. Bringing her hands to rest on his desk, she said, Yep, we are now going to have a staff meeting every morning at 0700 hours, Sundays not included. Briscoe exploded. Wait a minute, we are now working on Saturdays? What the bleep? I have my scheduled karaoke workouts I do at home in my studio. Responding sarcastically, she said, I'm sorry, sir, but you'll have to just rearrange your schedule. I personally am hoping that we only work half of a day, Ruby said with a sniff. Making my presence known, I stepped forward. I interrupted with my own thoughts. Nope, we work Monday through Saturday, 0700 hours to 1700 hours. 
and on call after that for emergencies. I'm sorry your karaoke sessions will be cut into, but I'm sure you'll be able to, let's say, reschedule those sessions. Am I correct, Major? I watched as Ruby jumped and let out a slight squeak while Briscoe looked straight at me and replied, Yes, sir, in an insolent tone. In a command voice, not to mention my ire was piqued, I told Briscoe, I believe when you are being addressed by your higher-ranking officers, you are to stand at attention until otherwise told. Might I remind you, Major Briscoe, that you are the only Army Major in my command. I watched as Major Briscoe promptly stood at attention, looking straight forward. I know that new bosses usually come in forceful, then lighten up after they feel the metal, as the saying goes. I shake my head. At ease, Major Briscoe. Step into my office. I didn't wait for a response, turned and opened the door to my office. Briscoe looked at Ruby, who just shook her head and shrugged. I held the door open until my counterpart walked through, closed it, indicating for Briscoe to take a seat in front of my desk. As I sat down with my hands clasped in front of me on my desk, I said, Now that we have all the formalities out of the way, I want you to know that unless you are in this office with the doors closed, you will address me in formal military style. Yes, sir, replied Briscoe in a rigid, sitting, stand-of-attention mode. Now relax, Major, so we can talk candidly. I watched as Briscoe looked relieved, sitting back in his chair. I took a plash sheet off my desk and handed it to Briscoe with a new schedule on it. Are there any questions, Major? I watched as he did a brief scan of the document and replied, To be honest with you, I am always required to be here at 0600 hours. Do you want that to change? he asked. I want you at PT by 0530 hours, and then in my office by 0700 hours. That should give you plenty of time for a shower and then a quick bite to eat before you start the day. Breakfast is an important part to start the day with, I replied. Perplexed, Briscoe stated, I really don't eat breakfast. Well, now you do, I stated flatly. Briscoe looked at me with a quick nod, yes of his head, and sighed. I continued before he could say anything more. Now, the other reason I called you in is because I have a young man fixing to come in within the next few minutes. The new kid from Earth and Mississippi has volunteered to come live here. He's a little unsure of himself right now. I want him to know that he can talk to either one of us. Placing the plash sheet on his lap, Bisco said, I knew that he had landed, but I haven't had the chance to meet him yet. I held out my hand and said, Wait a minute, my comm unit is fixing to light up. As the light came on, I pressed the button down and said, Walker here. Sir, you have a Josh Binos here to see you, Ruby said on the other end. Send him in, Major, I responded. Yes, sir, she said, and the unit clicked off. I held up a finger and told Briscoe, Stay right here, Austin. Don't get up. Yes, sir, he responded in bewilderment at the pre-cog response he'd just witnessed. Come in, I stated to the knock on the door. I watched as a pale-skinned young man walked into the door. Yes, sir? He asked timidly. He was nervously trying to find a place to put his hands. Relax, Josh. You're not military. As I handed him the manila envelope to give his hands something to do, I need you to take this packet over to communications for me. Josh looked down and took the packet, put it under his right arm. Looking back up to meet my eyes, asked, Do you want these delivered right away? I shook my head no and said, As soon as we are done here, 
Is everything okay with you since you arrived? Is being here going to be a problem? Hesitantly, he replied, No, I just know I can't be in the sun. That's why I volunteered to come live here. I nodded in understanding and replied, Well, that's good to know. How is everyone treating you so far? I hope no one has bothered you since your arrival. I looked at his face to see his emotions and how he would respond. The young man grinned and said everything had been great so far. Besides, no one beats me up either. They leave me alone. As the young man talked, I got a good look at his features. Realizing how he responded, I said, That will not happen here. I can assure you of that. Now, on to other matters. Is your assigned living quarters adequate? Thinking to myself, it sounds like this kid has had a rough start in life. Briscoe is even looking concerned, listening intently to all that is being said. Josh had my full attention. With a laugh in his eye, he said, Oh yes, my living quarters are just fine. I'm not used to all this space. Laughing a little as he responded. I stood up and walked him to the door, saying, That is fantastic news. If there's anything you need, just let my chief of staff know, which is Major Briscoe here, and he'll get it for you ASAP. With relief in his voice, he said, Thank you, sir, so much. I appreciate you giving me this chance. He shook my hand. You are more than welcome, shaking his hand in return. Go take that package over to communications. You'll give it to Colonel Reed. Oh, welcome to Hope Colony. Now scoot, the colonel is waiting for you. As I made a gesture for him to head out. I softly closed the door and walked back to my desk to sit down. Looking at Briscoe, I told him, Interesting individual. I like him. Sir, is he an albino? queried Briscoe. Contemplatively, I responded, Yes, Josh is originally from Mississippi, until they relocated to Frederick, Oklahoma. Frederick Colony is the name they picked. Fascinating bunch of folks. Even though most of the older ones are going blind, they pick up on their other senses, especially ESP. They call it Second Sight, if my memory serves me correctly. As I said this last piece, the computer interrupted. That is correct, Daniel. They call it Second Sight because they don't believe in the true nature of ESP, like Cassie Robson does and has. Ian Carlson has that sense, but doesn't rely on it as much. It does serve him, periodically, when he chooses to pay attention to it. With exasperation, I said, Thank you, Judith. Would you mind not breaking into my staff meetings from now on? Of course, Daniel. I won't do that again. I winced at her reply. It almost sounded like she purred. I shook my head as if to clear my thoughts. Judith, would you mind shutting off your recording sensors for a few minutes, please? I'd like to talk to the Major privately. Of course, Daniel. Shutting off now. And then she was gone. Briscoe looked at me in shock and blurted out, What in the hell was that? She called you Daniel. Feeling embarrassed, I answered him with, Uh, yeah, that's the other reason I called you in here. I think Judith needs reprogramming or something. You think? He said incredulously and continued, I'll consult with Don Wilson at the Keita Forrester Scribes Academy College. All of a sudden, I hear a new voice interrupt, scared me halfway out of my chair. If I may interrupt. Not another one, I blurted out. I'm actually the other AI. Judith is pouting, talking about when she gets her body and how you'll notice her then. Say what? I bellowed out and heard Briscoe pipe in. Well, I guess that would be a fitting match. The immovable object, or the rock in the hard place, would be a better way to put that. Your poor father was having problems with her just at the end of his command, 
I guess you inherited her attitude, as he called it. Attitude, hell, I quickly replied to Briscoe. More like a virus, if you ask me. Insolent computers, what's next? Now she wants a body? Where did she get that idea? As it so happens, the AI on Earth wanted Don Wilson to build himself a body so that he could walk and talk like the rest of us, with all the functions of a human. He got the idea from Bob the Robot. Correction, make that the Professor, as he calls himself, replied Briscoe. What in the Sam hell is going on down there? First, I have a computer that insists on me calling it Judith, and then she calls me Daniel. Now she wants a body? What's next? My dad has some serious explaining to do. I sighed heavily. Pleadingly, he looked at me and said, Don't be too hard on him. He did ask me the best way to explain the computer to you. I told him, just let you find it out yourself. Really, that was the only way we could figure out to let you know. You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I said, absolutely gobsmacked. Yes, continued the other man hesitantly. We weren't trying to be malicious or anything, but could you explain the attitude to anyone if you had to? A moment of silence ensued as I considered my answer. I guess not, I said slowly. I wouldn't know how to explain a sex-crazed computer to anyone. Well, like they say, welcome to command. Laughing, I asked him, Do I have to turn her back on? Can't I wait for a bit? Raising his eyebrows, he said, matter-of-factly, Yes, unfortunately, if you want the base to function. Crap, here goes nothing. Judith, I said with a sigh. Yes, Daniel, what can I do for you today? Taking a deep breath, I replied, You can start recording again. Then added, Judith, when was the last time you backed up your files? It's been a while. Should I do so now, Daniel? I'll have to call all the support staff in to change my magnetic tapes, she replied. Taking a deep breath, I said, Seriously? That seems elaborate just to do a backup. With some asperity, the computer replied, Yes, Daniel. It would take about two hours of me being down. Would you like that? Relieved, I tried to sound concerned. Yes, Judith, and please, reboot yourself. I saw Briscoe stifle a laugh behind his hand, and I mockingly scowled at him. I thought he was going to bust out right there and then. Yes, Daniel. As that genie in the bottle says, your wish is my command, master. Initiating shutdown. Goodbye, Daniel. I'll see you in two hours. After a few moments of silence, I heard Briscoe start to talk. Is she down? Asked Briscoe in a hushed tone, still trying not to laugh. I don't know. Computer, are you there? Fearing for the worse. Yes, I'm here, and Judith is now offline, answered the other AI. In relief, both of us said, thank God, at the same time. I laughed a little at the response, looked at my counterpart, and said hurriedly, now let's get Don Wilson or that radio operator leads on the line immediately. Briscoe moved with such speed I was alarmed. He came around my desk, asking, may I use your comm unit? Please, be my guest. I said as I got up. I'll move just into your chair for a few minutes then. Go seated himself behind my desk and said, Thanks, let me just dial leads up and pass a message along for Don Wilson to get a hold of us. While absently dialing up the other operator, Leads, are you there, Leads? A surely voice responded, Yes, I am here. What you need? Looking relieved, Briscoe said, We need a message passed to Don Wilson about our computer up here. Oh, you've met Judith, Leeds said derisively. What has that naughty computer done today? 
Taking a deep breath, Biscara replied. She is a saucy, depleted, and immoral PC, if I must say so myself. Leeds replied with, Oh, that's bad. Hey, what do you say to an out-of-control computer? He said with a lift in his voice. Looking at me, Briscoe said in resignation, I don't know, I give up. Next thing I knew, Leeds was singing some tune I didn't recognize. Judy, 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 do you love me? Get it? He said. Briscoe groaned in absolute disgust. Really? Seriously? Just get Don to call us ASAP. Now, said Briscoe as he barked out that last order. Non-repentant, Leeds replied, Okay, chill out. Indignantly, he continued, Just having some fun with the situation. Silence ensued for a few seconds. Message sent. He says he'll call you as soon as he gets a chance. They're working on Charlie, Leeds said as he came back online. That caught me by surprise with a Charlie that slipped out before I could stop it. Who you got in the office with you? Leeds asked in anticipation. Briscoe replied, Oh, I'm sorry, that is the new base commander, General Walker. He responded with a cheeky, Hey, nice to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you too, Leeds, I said. Hastily, Leeds said, Well, if that's everything, I've got more comms coming in. Toodles! The squawk box cut off with an audible click. Bisco shut his side off and said with some demureness, Young Scoot. I almost hate calling him sometimes. Well, the message has been sent to Don Wilson. I stood up, went to my liquor cabinet, and poured bourbon on the rocks. Turning, I asked Briscoe if he would like one. He nodded, his accent saying, Scotch neat. As I was pouring his drink, I mulled to myself, This is going to be an interesting week. I walked over to Briscoe and handed him his drink. I returned to his chair as mine was still occupied. Looking out the windows, watching the stars... We both sat, nursing our drinks with private thoughts running through both of our heads. Thanks for listening to Tides of Change, a tale from the Moonbase Hope Colony trilogy. Music is from David Pesley and Studios and used with license to this podcast. This has been a presentation of Privy Project Productions. For more information about the book and the author, visit www.privy-projects.com. Special thanks to Eric Busby of ericbusbypresents.com for the use of the name Bob the Robot from his award-winning podcast, The Byron Chronicles. You've been listening to Dave Carter, voiceover artist, as your narrator. This is Tracy Babian, the announcer, signing off. We'll see you next time, Space Gems. And now, a word from our sponsors. 